Mine's good. Come on, Brent. Life's good. Got real close. Got hair high, right? Try and hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have. Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott, alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Wow, Sean, that was a nice flourish you had there. Uh, you know, usually I'm ready for anything that you throw at me at the beginning of a show, but that one, oh, that was that was pretty cool. Trying something a little new, fired up here, season of champions. We're in the midst of the season of champions, and so why not act like a champion on the microphone? That's right. So as we are in the midst of the season of champions and the Scotties coming up, we'll have our preview for that next week. And the men's fields are are taking form. We'll, we'll talk about that as we get into the Briar season as well. But we wanted to take a break from the reaction to what's going out or going on out there on tour in these provincial championships in the playdowns. Because over the next couple months, between the Briar, the Scotties, and the two world championships, we're going to see some big matchups in high leverage positions so Mm -hmm. it's all well and good when these teams play out on the cash circuit some of the slams those are fun games it's good to see but now this is the time of year where pressure is amped up you got world championships at stake national championships at stake not just in canada but their national championships ones that are competitive say the scottish men's for instance those are big games. Get into the world championships. You're playing for worlds. You're playing for Olympic qualification points now. These are big spots. And we wanted to see or talk about some of the big rivalries that exist in the sport right now. I will concede that this is somewhat Canada-centric mm-hmm. based on where we live and the teams that we see all the time. But there's some international ones on here as well. So we have 10 here, 10 rivalries that we're going to argue or I'm going to argue are the biggest in the sport right now. And Scott, we'll see if you agree with my list. Maybe you disagree with some of these. Mm-hmm. Most of them are team against team. <laughs> Not all, but most. So Scott, before we get into the list here, what do you look for in a good curling rivalry? Well, Sean, first of all, a rivalry has to have both sides winning at a certain point. Uh, you know, you can call uh, the Yankees and Red Sox rivals, but until 2004, they weren't really rivals, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's important to me that like both sides have to be somewhat equal footing. Uh, the other thing is they have to have played in in some big moments, big matches, or have gotten into a dust-up somewhere along the way. Yeah. Think Ben Hebert and Richard Hart. Uh, yes. That that kind of thing um, needs, to, needs to have happened. And then finally, they, they just have to be like very frequent uh, matchups. You can't say it's a rivalry if they've played each other twice. Sure. Yes, I, I completely agree. Area I'm looking for. All right, so let's go through here the ten biggest rivalries 
in the sport in no particular order. I'll say that off yes. the top. All right, Scott said it was going to have some international content. Let's start with that international content. Bruce Mowat against Ross White. They have played a total of 28 times in big tour events. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Bruce Mowat is well ahead in the head-to-head, 21-7 to in their 28 games, but they are 3-3 three and three in their last six, splitting their last six. Uh, last one went to Mowat in the playoffs of the last Grand Slam. But Scott, as we look at the Scottish Championships, this is interesting now. Yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, and this is maybe a bit of that, you know, Yankees-Red Sox where the Yankees were winning all the time. And now, you know, maybe maybe it's time for the upstart team to, uh, to, to take over this rivalry uh, or to be at least in a position to call it a rivalry. I think this is a really good call. Um, you know, they're going to be the teams battling for the Scottish championship for the foreseeable future. Uh, Bruce Mowat is still super young. He's not even 30 yet. He's not 30 yet. No. And uh, so to call him like the, the old veteran, uh, it's, it's, it's maybe a bit much. So yeah, this is, this is a really great uh, rivalry and, and heating up this year. So I think you, you got this one good. Yeah. And it's hard to believe too, that, you look back at the 2018 Olympics and you had Muirhead there. And, yeah. and you know, it, now Mowat is just, you would think like clearly the team, but then Ross White comes up and says, not so fast there, Sparky. We're, we're here yeah. too. And then you got team Craig that's hanging out and making the playoffs at a slam and, and getting into the slams regularly. So Scottish mm-hmm. curling that depth there is really coming through here in, For sure. in 2024. Yeah. Big time, big time. Uh, not enough for Craig to make the list, but it's it's worth <laughs> noting as we, we head into the Scottish Championships. Uh, so let's go over to one that you said volume of games, Scott. And I'll grant you this one doesn't have the volume of games as some of the other ones on this list, but big games. Mm-hmm. Carrie Anderson, Krista McCarvel only played 10 times. It is split 5-5 but they have played very important games. They've played the in the Scotties playoffs in 2017. They played in the playoffs in the 2021 trials. Uh, so in 2017, it was Anderson. The 2021 trials, it was McCarville. The 2022 Scotties final, which of course went to Kerry Anderson, and the 2023 Scotties semifinal, also to Kerry Anderson. So over the past three calendar years, they have played very big games against each other and this even split overall obviously the edge in those big games has gone to carrie anderson but two teams that have a tendency here to meet in big spots yeah and you're right uh they do meet in those big games do you know off the top of your notes if (laughs) they played in the round robin at all in those scotties in the 2017 when they did, they missed each other in 2022 and 2023. Okay, well, uh, this year they will play each other as they're both part of Pool A. Okay. <laughs> he said, yes, the A is the first pool listed. That's uh, the, way to, the way the alphabet works. Um, yeah, and that 2022 final in Thunder Bay, you know, uh, with the crowd back 
a little bit, I guess. Uh, was there a little crowd in Thunder Bay? Um, it wasn't at the, the end full of the week. crowd. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. so, you know, just, uh, yeah, a lot of these pressure filled games. I, I like this, but you're right. The volume isn't quite there for me to, you know, maybe put this at the top of the list. Um, but they always have good games when they play. Yes. Uh, and excuse me, I said the 26, or 2017 Scotties was 2016 Scotties. Kerry Anderson won the round robin game there. Chris McCarville won in the playoffs. They played in the pre-trials in 2017. McCarville wins there. Mm-hmm. At the 2019 Scotties round robin goes to Kerry Anderson. McCarville wins both at the trials and then the next three games, which include two Scotty's playoffs, have gone to Kerry Anderson. So uh, big spots there between those two. And mm-hmm. uh, we will, as you say, see them in the round robin there in Calgary coming up starting next week. All right. Next up on our list of the biggest rivalries in sports or in sports in curling. Scott, this one, I think, goes way under the radar because they don't come to Canada as much as we might like them to. They don't qualify for the slams, so they don't get a lot of TV time. John Schuster against the Canadian fans. This Ooh. is one of the best. John Schuster in front of Canadian fans on a live mic is incredible. And I want to say, I don't think it's ever disrespectful in either direction, but I will suggest that there is some acrimony. <laughs> both ways that uh, Schuster can get frustrated with uh, the Canadian fans and the Canadian fans can get frustrated with John Schuster. Yeah, I, I like this, Sean. This is uh, definitely true. And I Schuster sort of plays it up a bit. Oh, know? yeah. He's uh, a showman for sure. He, he knows he knows what uh, what's going on there and sort of yeah. saying, oh, these fans would cheer or anything for <laughs> This team, uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, it's fun to see him too, though, at uh, like the Continental Cups when they've been ostensibly on his side. And yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, it, it seems like he enjoys the the cheering and the, the support. So uh, this is a good one, John. Uh, a fun-natured rivalry. Yes. Uh, another one, Scott, that I don't know if is always fun-natured, but uh, it's a similar vibe here. Going back to Kristen McCarville, uh, another big rivalry in the sport is Kristen McCarville against people who want to monitor schedules and people who want people to go get a lot of CTRS points. Uh, Chris McCarville and her team are firm in what their strategy is. They're firm in the number of events they want to play, the the way they want to prep for the Northern Ontario Playdowns and the Scotties every year. Rankle some people, it seems. Yeah, it can. Uh, you know, this is one of those teams that people, uh, I often hear say like, who are they? What? Why don't they play more? Like, and I think we've even asked the question, why don't they play more? Because they're obviously good enough um, yeah. to, to make those kinds of uh, events if they wanted to. But, you know, you're right. Their priorities are what they are and good for them for sticking with it. Uh, and then they still come. And like you say, I've made the playoffs at the last uh, three Scotties they've been at. So, yeah, uh, this one's good. And I take the side of Team McCarville. This this one might not meet the criteria. Might not meet the criteria, Sean, of having one side winning more than the other side. But uh, it, you know, it it's, uh, definitely rankles some people. Absolutely, yeah. Some people get really mad at this for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, uh, let's move on to our next rivalry. Let's head out to the beautiful province of Alberta and Brendan Botcher against Kevin Cooey. They have played 52 times out on tour. Kevin Cooey, unsurprisingly, has the advantage 34 to 18, given the age difference between the two of them, that a lot of these early games were Cooey with a lot more experience and a stronger team. Although Brennan Botcher did win the first two times they played against each other. What's interesting about this matchup, Scott, is that even though it's in favor of Kevin Cooey by 16 total, you have a it's it's a matchup of runs of mm. sorts mm-hmm. where Botcher wins the first two, Cooey wins the next four, Botcher gets a win, then Cooey wins three more. You have another stretch where Cooey wins six in a row, four in a row, five in a row, three in a row, six in a row. Uh, Botcher, his stretches are back-to-back wins a couple times, uh, a stretch of four in a row through the pandemic season, three in a row through the end of 2022 into 2023 last year. So it's sort of like just a game of runs between these two in terms of the matchup overall, which I, I find very fascinating. Obviously, in favor of Cooey, he's had longer winning streaks against Botcher, but they're not kind of going back and forth with, Kui winning two, Botcher winning one, Kui winning three, Botcher winning two. It's it's like a real mm. momentum shift between the two of them as they go along here. Yeah, I I picking up what you're putting down there, Maddie D, uh, with your game of runs. <laughs> yeah, this is a good one. This one would have been on anyone's list, I think, uh, given the magnitude of the games in which they played, uh, the high profile of both teams, the fact that. Uh, Botcher now has players that were on Kui's team before. Yeah. So, you know, you've got that aspect baked into it as well. Uh, yeah, so this is a pretty solid rivalry. Yeah, I don't know if it's always the greatest TV, just the nature of the two of them as TV characters, the two skips. Yeah. But as you say, each of them in their careers have had good teammates who are TV characters. Yeah, and, and I think... Uh, the, the new team that Botcher's got, I've seen him smile more in the last year or yeah. like laugh, you know, like crack a, a crack a joke uh, back and all those kinds of things more than in the four years leading up to it. Yeah. They were featured in John Oliver on his show. He does the segment and now this. Mm-hmm. One of the ones he did a few years ago, it was, uh, it was around Canada Day and it was in honor of Canada Day here are some polite interactions at the Canadian men's curling championship. And it was Botcher and Gushu uh, in, that they used the clips of. And one of them for Botcher is him and Darren Molding yelling back and forth on the ice. He says, uh, I think I like hack. And Molding goes, board? And Botcher goes, yeah, board's good. <laughs> It's just a, in, in isolation like that, it's a very entertaining uh, interaction. Just polite curlers. Uh, very, very good. Uh, I like yeah, that. I it, it is that a different up. vibe for ben, Brendan Botcher now, for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely now, yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to the women's side and go with another all-Canadian matchup here in terms of the rivalries. There are whispers about in terms of the off the ice rivalry in this case but let's stick to the on the ice because off the ice it's 
can't say for sure. That is Jennifer Jones and Rachel Homan. 56 games played between the two of them. It is 30 to 26 in favor of Rachel Homan. They have had some big games between the two of them. Obviously at Scotty's, at Trials, on the cash circuit, at Grand Slams. These two players, I would say, Scott, from 14 through the Kerry Anderson era that we all now live in were the two top teams on the women's side. And when they played each other, it was kind of appointment viewing, especially at a Scotty, especially when they played at the trials in 2017, Mm -hmm. they played in the playoffs of the roar of the rings at the, uh, they played each other in the, a bunch of playoffs at the slams, Canada cups, uh, Scotty's playoffs, like just, they play each other a lot. And, Maybe now with Carrie Anderson clearly being the top team in women's curling, it's taken a little bit away in the perception of this rivalry because it's no longer the two top teams in the country. But it is arguably the greatest skip of all time in Canada against somebody who, when it's all said and done, could take that mantle as the greatest skip in uh, Canadian curling history. So it still is, I think a very good rivalry and a game that when they play each other, TSN Sportsnet probably going to show it. Yeah, definitely. This is a one that I knew you'd have on your list. And for good reason, the rivalry between these two teams is uh, as you described. Uh, And you're right. That's not going into the off the ice rivalry, which I do think is a real thing, but, uh, uh, is it more based on conjecture than yeah. fact? And so I, I get up for these games, you know, like I like to see uh, these two great teams playing against each other. And uh, I'll admit I cheer for team Homan because uh, we, we live in Ontario. <laughs> I but, mean, Jennifer uh, Jones that... now lives in Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. They're, they're just always great games uh, and, and fun to watch. A lot of rocks in play. Uh, a lot of great shot making. So, for for a while there, Scott Jennifer Jones had more team members living in Ontario than Rachel Homan did. <laughs> You're right. Uh, you know who, yeah. who says who says the provincial rules make sense <laughs> <laughs> or don't matter or whatever. Uh, yeah, and in terms of the conjecture, yeah, a lot of it is conjecture. Nothing really confirmed anything and. I mean, part of it is when the Continental Cup existed and you looked uh, and they were both there and teams were shifted around and mixed up, just sort of see what the lineups were. Uh, And that's part of it. And then just in general, and you'd expect there to be even off the ice. Like, I I don't think who knows about if any contention or anything, but certainly at the very worst, like friendly rivalries or like frenemies of sorts, like you know, play each other a lot. We want to beat you and we're not yeah. going to shy away from that because they're both very competitive and they want to beat each other, obviously. Yeah, there's teams that I like to, uh, you know, hang out with and have a drink with, but I want to beat them when, I, uh, yeah. when I'm when i on the ice and uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Nope. So we'll go to our next one, Scott. Back to the men's team. We're actually going to go back to Kevin Cooey. And for as much as, Brendan Botcher is a rival of Mr. Cooey. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is a greater nemesis to Kevin Cooey throughout the course of his career than that pesky, ever-present, 
clock operator <laughs> who insists on running the time clock when Kevin Cooey is going through his strategy. I know that the clock is necessary. I love the clock. I want it to a certain extent at the recreational level, but and I know it's a running joke of Kevin Cooley is always going to throw his last rock as time expires and is going to make that shot. But Kevin Cooley against the clock, every event, a lot of big shots. It's just there. It's just this ever present thing over his shoulder. And now that the time clocks are visible on the scoreboards, whereas mm-hmm. with the old analog scoreboards, we as the audience didn't see the time clock because it was up in the sort of on the the scores booth above the media bench. Now we can see it through every end and really see how far behind he gets over the course of the game. And it's, I I don't know, Cooey against the clock is just a a beautiful rivalry. Yeah, Sean, this might be your best one yet. Uh, It's ever present. Uh, You know, both sides have won at times. We've seen, uh, you know, him get burned by the clock before. uh, And it happens every game. So you're checking all those boxes. Uh, you know, I've operated a score clock a time or two in my life, and I'd be terrified to be doing Cooey's clock, you know. Uh, just, woof, that's a lot of pressure. You got to be really on the ball. Uh, and, and yeah, this is a good rivalry. I like this one. All right, Scott, let's go over to the former Pacific Asia Championship region. And back to the women's side. And this was hard in terms uh, of picking a singular team. So I'm going with Fujisawa Satsuke against Korea in general. Uh, But specifically, uh, Kim Eun-ji and and Kim Eun-jun. And between those two teams, sort of the primary ones that she's playing a lot on tour, especially Team Kim, Team Kim, are in most of the slams now, if not all the slams. Uh, Team Gim was at the Pan Continental this year, for instance. So you're, you're seeing them a lot. Fujisawa was in the final of the Pan Continental both years against Team Korea both years. So against Team Kim, against Team Gim, she is seven and six overall. But Team Gim has won the last five of those games, including both at the Pan Continental Championship this year. And against Team Kim, uh, Team Kim has the advantage 13 to 12 overall. Uh, Team Kim won at the Olympics there in 2022. Uh, they split in 2018 at the Olympic Games there, but. Team Kim won in the playoffs in that incredible run that they were on. The Pacific Asia Curling Championship 2017 played three times. Team Kim wins them all, but for Team Fujisawa, won both at the Olympic qualification event to get to the Winter Olympics there in Beijing. The pack in 2016, a couple big games, the the Women's Masters in uh, uh, Basel, that event. Uh, so, mm. and this though, that rivalry goes back to 2012. So, overall, Scott, between Team Kim, Team Gim, Fujisawa has had some really good games over a long period of time against the Korean champions or the team representing Korea. Now with the slams, with both of them getting there, just a lot of really good games between Fujisawa and the Korean teams. 
Yeah, this uh, this hits all the boxes too. Uh, Maybe cheating a bit to have it between three teams, <laughs> but no, uh, you're right. Team uh, Fujisawa against Korea, always a good game. Uh, and, and especially lately, uh, it, it seems to be that the Koreans ha- maybe have passed Japan, but uh, it's, you know, it's quality opponents on both sides. Uh, always going to make for a good game. All right. Uh, last one here, I would say the best rivalry in both the men's and the women's side across the world right now. Let's go into the men's side, Scott. Uh, it's going to be Brad Gushu against Nicholas Adin. This is a 27 to 16 advantage for Brad Gushu. When you look at the world championships and Olympics that they have played in, Gushu has the advantage five to four across the Olympic Games and the World Championships, with Gushu having a three to two playoff advantage in those. Now that is boosted by the fact that in 2017 it was still a page, and Gushu won two playoff games against Nicodine that year. So overall, they've eliminated each other from t- uh, two events each. Right. in the uh in the playoffs but just a a really good rivalry here a lot of those early games on tour nicodine is getting his footing so if you look at lately it's a lot more even but mm-hmm. in those 43 games a lot of big games between these teams both olympics worlds and in slams yeah, this one has to be uh, on the list, Sean, when you go talk about the rivalries in curling nowadays, especially given their history, as you mentioned, at the World Championships in the playoffs. Uh, those are, for a few years, it was kind of a given, right? Yeah. That uh, Adin and Gushu, if they were there, they'd meet in the final. So yeah, they're... And they did. Yeah, like, <laughs> and yeah, they, they we did. did a, that's we would why... do previews and be like, that's the final. Yeah, See you next why, week, everybody. Uh... Why it was a given, right? Uh and that's why why at the Worlds this year, when they were here in Ottawa, uh, it was so surprising to see Sweden just dispatched easily without playing Gushu in the playoffs. And I thought, oh, or did they play in the playoffs? They Wait did play in the playoffs. Uh, I believe it was the quarterfinal. And uh, Gushu won, as you said, but relatively easily. It wasn't... Yeah, uh, when it was... Because it was Gushu was like four and Adin was five or something. Yeah, and something you were like, like it's very strange for them to be meeting this early in the playoffs. Like we're not going to see them in the finals. Like yeah. uh, that, that's strange. So uh, maybe a bit of a shift towards those Scottish teams that you mentioned at the beginning, but yeah, it, these two teams definitely still have a great rivalry. Uh, and I look forward to seeing it again uh, throughout the year on tour and ho- hopefully or maybe at the Worlds. Yeah, so it was the quarterfinals there last year, and nine to one, Brad Gushu wins in in that game. So, and it was it was shocking that they were playing early, but also that it ended up being so easy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, they played twice so far this year and have a split: uh, one at the Coyote National and one at the uh, Japanese event that they both played in in early December. Mm-hmm. So we will potentially see them. Again, we'll see. Uh, Gushu would have to win the Briar to get another World Championship game, and pools for the Players Championship. Who knows? So we, yeah. we might not get them again this year, but we'll see. We'll see. And the best rivalry in the sport, 
uh, Gushu against Return as. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but sort of just an interesting note here because I was going through a bunch of these matchups. Scott, Joel Return as beat Brad Gushu in 2006 at the Winter Olympic Games. Hold on. What? I know. Breaking news. Hmm. Hadn't heard that before. That happened in, as I said, 2006. That's almost 18 years ago. We're like what, a, a week away from that, the 18th anniversary of that. In the 18 mm-hmm. years since, they have played 10 times, the two of them. How many of those games do you think Joel Ray Turness has won? Well, I would say of those 10 games, probably five of them have been this year or five four have been this year and i'd say return as is one of all so give me like six for return as okay that's uh that's high scott uh i can tell you that in those 10 games over these nearly 18 years joel return has won as many games against brad gushu as you and i wow over over uh they actually have not played this season so sort of curiously enough they have not matched up uh, they played last year, obviously, the World Championship. Brad Gushu won. They played in the Champions Cup, won that. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, very strange that. Uh, so, this one that isn't one on your list. This is a it's bonus not, it's one. Not right? on the list. Yeah, that was just a bonus <laughs> one that I thought that's interesting. We talk about that one game a lot because it is fun, but it's less fun now because Joel Raytern has, and these guys are really good. They're, it's, it's yeah. Italy in 2024, not Italy in 2006. No, so, and and I would have said it uh, doesn't qualify because not enough games and not enough even split of the games. Sure, yeah. Although but you thought it would, you thought it would be an even split. I did. I thought they would have played more this year. I guess that shows you how much slams I'm watching. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to the biggest rivalry, top rivalry in the sport right now. I think anybody could have predicted that I was going to go in this direction. It is. So Anna Tiranzoni and Anna Hasselberg, they have played 57 times in their illustrious careers. Tiranzoni has the advantage 31 to 26. She has won the last four matchups between these two, seven of the last nine to take that advantage over the last just under two years, starting at the World Championships in 2022, where she beat Anna Hasselberg twice at that event and then won the game at the Euros in 2022, beat her twice at the Worlds last year as well. They have only played once so far this season at the uh, Women's Masters event there in Basel. But Scott, uh, these two teams play a lot. They split their games. They play in big games. You got the Euros, obviously the World Championships. As I mentioned, they have played in the playoffs of the World Championships in 2019, in 2022, and in 2023. So they are seeing each other a lot. Uh, They also played each other in the playoffs of the Olympic Games in Beijing in 2022. The National in 2021 the curling world cup uh, they just see each other a lot in big spots scott and it's always fun to see hasselberg hasn't been able to get over the top at the 
World Championships, but Tiranzoni wasn't able to get over the Hasselberg bump at the Olympics. So I think mm-hmm. this is without doubt the best rivalry in the sport as we sit here in February 2024. Yeah, this is the first one that I would have written down uh, or that I thought of even when we talked about doing this episode. I was like, well, that's that's the one, right? Uh, they've both been in the top five in the world basically for the last uh, six years straight. Um, just uh, dynamite teams, always fun to watch their games. Uh, the games have come down to like uh, last end shots at times, you know, that have been pretty iconic. So yeah, this, uh, this one, uh, slam dunk, no brainer, uh, best rivalry in the world right now. All right. So there you have it. Our 10 biggest rivalries in the sport of curling right now, February, 2024. Scott, what do you think of that list? I like that list, Sean. I, I like uh, a couple of fun ones, you know, uh, that maybe don't qualify under the rubric I lined out or lined <laughs> outlined at the top, but yeah. uh, fun nonetheless. All right. So again, just to recap, we got Bruce Mout against Ross White, Gushu against Adine, Cooey against the Clock, Cooey against Botcher, Tiranzoni, Hasselberg, Jones, Holman, Schuster, and the Canadian fans. Fujisawa against Korea, McCarvel against the schedule purists, the point chasers, and Carrie Anderson and Krista McCarvel as your top rivalries in the sport. Do you agree with that list? Do you like those rivalries? Did we miss any out? Certainly do reach out and let us know. And you can do that on the socials at Game of Stones Pod. Email Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. Find us over at Game of Stones Pod.com. Past episodes plus the merch all there and of course if you have not yet please do subscribe to the show wherever it is you get your podcasts likes rates comments all that good stuff helps us out uh, so scott we will see some of these games coming up mm-hmm. who is your biggest rival in curling uh my biggest rival is uh our former skip <laughs> that <laughs> has fled the city <laughs> for fear of playing against me again. Wait, we, we played Chris last year, our first game uh, yeah. that we played against him. I really wanted to win. I won't, yeah. uh, I won't deny it. Uh, I've had a, a great time playing with Chris. I really like him, but I, I just wanted to win and sure, you know, show, show him a bit, yeah. but uh, we didn't. And uh, like I say, now he's now he's moved away, so he's just scared to, to play <laughs> us. We we beat his old team uh, a couple weeks ago. Not the same uh, without him, and it, I, yeah, it just wasn't the same. So, uh, how about you, Sean? Who's your biggest rival? Anyone who cleans their rock after the shot is called. <laughs> Basically, it. you're uh, in, anyone, in anyone the books. who does that. Yeah, uh, that that's probably it. There was. Uh, Ray Pollock, I don't know if you consider me a rival, but uh, I, I never really liked playing against Ray Pollock. And he, older guy, he was retired. And he, uh, you know, it, it was what it was, but beat him once in a in the club championship. The one run I went on in a club championship skipping and beat him in a quarterfinal game. And uh, he never spoke to me again. And, uh, 
that was the real prize of that game. That's uh, a squash rifler. That was the real prize. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, so that that one was a fun one. Uh, certainly a fun one to win. Uh, a couple other folks who, um, one guy Edgar, not the Edgar who we currently see at the club a lot. Different Edgar. Slow played intentionally one time. Uh, like actually was going down to throw his last shot. Looked at the clock turned back around and talked for another couple minutes to get us past a a point. So certainly that was a a bit of a rivalry. We can ask Steph about how she feels about Edgar at some point too. Probably not on the mic, uh, but yeah, so uh, a few like that, but nothing super contentious, I would say. Just, uh, yeah, and when you look around the teams that we play regularly now, yeah, there's a couple that I always want to win against, as as you said, Scott. But for me, it's mostly because those teams play slow. And I want to show them that playing fast can still mean playing well. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it very much can. Very much can. Maybe, Sean, one day we'll have, um, we should do a show about uh, best teammates we've ever had throughout the uh, years. Uh, or more, most interesting teammates, anyway. I've got yeah, a few stories from out west. But uh, a lot of fun to talk, yeah. curling. And uh, yeah, hopefully when you meet your rivals out there for the listeners, uh, you'll have a good competitive game and it won't, uh, you know, devolve into fisticuffs. (laughs) Hopefully not. Like we're talking good natured rivalries. Yes. Yes. Hopefully. Uh, So, uh, so yeah, Uh, mark that one down. Maybe that's a, that's good for a summer season episode. So uh, we'll mark that one down. You want to hear it? Do subscribe, follow along with us. Through the rest of the curling season, we love it when we get to those summer episodes, but we got a lot of business to attend to before then with the season of champions in full swing here. So we'll be back with you next week talking some Scotties, little preview coming up. Favorite time of the year for curling. The Scotties is my favorite event on the curling calendar. So very excited to talk about the 18 teams who will be out there in Calgary. So do join us for that. But until we chat then, keep those brooms on the ice. And don't dump that insert. Make the final.